So we are in a uh, series called Follow, and what we're doing is we're, we're celebrating the season of Lent. And so if you're new to Christianity or kind of new to everything, Lent is just the season coming up to Easter. And uh, what we do in Lent is we begin to prepare our hearts. Last week I, I, I preached about Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. These 40 days of Lent get us up to the celebration of Easter. But it's a, it's a connection with who we are as humans. Um, and so sometimes people will give up things for Lent. Sometimes people will uh, make room in their finances and they'll begin to um, share more of what they have. Some people will remove an element that's in their life for Lent and uh, that they'll celebrate the season that way of just going, okay, I am not going to have to rely on myself. I'm going to rely on uh, the presence of God. And so that's what we've been talking about. So uh, last week we talked about 40 days uh, in the wilderness, uh, 40 days of temptation for Jesus. And um, this week we're going to talk about a guy who came to Jesus and had a, uh, a question. And really not a question, he, he actually complimented Jesus. But I'll, I'll just set it up like this, so you can kind of get the context. Jesus goes into the temple, and he looks at what's going on, and he begins to feel not just uncomfortable, but, but kind of annoyed. So let me tell you what happens. At that time, uh, we would give sacrifices, like physical sacrifices for our sins. So there would be, you know, depending on, and it all depended on how much money you made. So if you were poor, you would come with just maybe a turtle dove. That would be your offering. And the priest would sacrifice that for your sins. Now, just so we're clear, they didn't just sacrifice the animal and just like throw it in a pile. So it wasn't like... Like, we're just killing animals. Uh, it, it, it got put to use. But you'd come with that. And what you would do is you'd, you'd try to find the best sacrifice you could find because you're sacrificing to God. So it's a big deal. And, and you're understanding that he's removing your sins from you, which is also a big deal. So you'd find the best you could find. The Bible calls it like an unblemished animal. Okay, so we call Jesus the spotless lamb because he took away our sins because he was perfect. And that was the sacrifice that he made for us for all of eternity. And so you'd bring this turtle dove and the priest, this, this, the system they had was that the priest would inspect it and say, okay, this is an adequate sacrifice for your sins. And so uh, what they were doing in the temple was they would, you'd bring your turtle dove and they'd find something wrong with it. They'd go, oh, oh, sorry, it's missing a feather right here. So you might find the best turtle dove you could find and they'd find something wrong with it and they'd say, yeah, but you couldn't go back home. You traveled to the temple. So you, here you are and you have your turtle dove and then they'd say, uh, there's something wrong with it. Go over here and buy a turtle dove we have a turtle dove vendor, and we've already pre-allowed those turtle doves, right? Here's an example. This is, and, and then those turtle doves would be like four bucks. So your turtle dove costs 50 cents. Those turtle doves are four bucks. And, and then they'd make a bunch of money off of it. It's kind of like this. You go to an Angels game. For those of you who aren't in California, sorry. 
but, uh, or Dodgers, because we just happened to have won the World Series. But, uh, so you go to a Dodger game, and you have a sandwich that you made at home that you're going to eat, and you go in, and they check your purse, and they check your, your stuff, and they say, oh, you're not allowed to bring food in here. And you say, oh, okay, well, how, where am I going to get food? And they say, the nacho cart. And you say, oh, cool. How much are the nachos? They're $27. Oh, okay. So thanks. See how you feel about that? That's how Jesus felt. He's like, why are you doing this to people? There's an injustice here. Hear me. There's a system that's been set up that allows the powerful to remain powerful and the marginalized to remain marginalized. And it really got Jesus ticked off. So he sits there and he makes this, he takes these ropes and he starts braiding them together he probably had to buy the ropes at the rope vendor. It's probably $80. I don't know. But, he, but he, he makes these ropes, and he just starts walking around the temple, and he starts turning over. He Basically, he, he wrecks their system because their system wasn't part of justice. It wasn't part of what Jesus would have. And what's really amazing to me, Jesus was cleansing out his temple, like, Jesus is God in the flesh. He was walking through his temple. And he's like, no, we're not, we're not having that. And so this is, this is what was going on. And so uh, to kind of set it up. So he really ticked off the people in power. He ticked off the Pharisees, okay, and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, those people. So here's, here's where we catch uh, our guy. Whoops. Okay, there we go. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees, those people he ticked off, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him. Now, one of the cool things about the uh, Gospel of John is he uses a lot of night language, um, and he uses darkness a lot. And, and in this case, it truly is uh, darkness. He did come by night. That's a fact. It's in the Bible, right? But... But if you read John, it also means he came in darkness, like he came not understanding. This is where Nicodemus shows up. And he shows up at night. And before you get on Nicodemus, like, why are you so scared? Like, why are you coming at night to go talk to Jesus? Just, just talk to him in the day. Don't we all come to Jesus mitigating our risk? Like, don't we all come to Jesus and, and go, I'm going to give you this much? Uh, but but I don't know, I can't, I can't come to you fully in the light. I'm going to come to you at night. I'm going to come to you in the darkness. I'm going to come to you part, part of the way. And so that's what he has. And he says to him, really nice words, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God, uh-oh, as a teacher. If you know you've come from God as a teacher, not you've come from God or you are God or all of the other things that uh, identify Jesus as Jesus. But we know you've come from God as a teacher, which is very kind, okay? For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So to that, if you're Jesus, you would respond, why, thank you, Nicodemus. I'm glad you noticed. I work hard at those signs, and uh, I actually do come from God. And so the fact that you're acknowledging it as a leader is... Um, is really cool. Thank you. Anything else? 
Isn't that how you'd respond? That's not how Jesus responds, obviously. Uh, Jesus responds the same way that he would respond to you. Let, let's cut to the chase, okay? Let's, let's get down to what we would call brass tacks, okay? Let's, let's get to it. And that's what he does. Jesus answered him. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What? What does that have to do with anything Nicodemus said? The cool thing about Jesus, one of the cool things about Jesus is that he knows Nicodemus' heart. And Nicodemus, and I could be reading way too much into the Bible, okay? Sometimes I, I do that. I wonder if Nicodemus was in the temple when Jesus turned over those, temp those tables. And I wonder if Nicodemus, while he was doing that, while Jesus was doing that, Nicodemus was like, finally, finally, I've hated this system. I'm a Pharisee. Like, this is what I do. Like, I'm a teacher of the law, but I've never had the guts to step out against this system and say, enough. And so Jesus does that. And so, again, I could be totally wrong, but there was something about Jesus, and there was something about the recent events, these signs, that Jesus um, uh, steps over the line and connects with uh, Nicodemus. He says, no one can uh, see this until uh, they cannot see the kingdom of God. And for all of us, this is the case. Anyone who's come to Christ, anyone who's given their life over to Jesus, has had this issue of going, okay, there's something about Jesus. I just don't, I haven't made the connection. And so Jesus says, you must be born again. Jesus is riffing off of Ezekiel, um, the prophet Ezekiel, who wrote it this way in the Old Testament. He's talking to the nation of Israel. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. Oftentimes we think that for God, we just need a little tweak. My life plus I want my life, and then I want to add Jesus to it. That's not what Jesus is requiring of you. Jesus is requiring everything of you. He's requiring you to follow him. That's why the series is called Follow. I will sprinkle clean water on you, I will, I, and you will be clean. That's an outward thing, and that's great. And following Jesus, there are a lot of outward things. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols, and I will give you a new heart. I had a a Toyota Corolla. I bought it because I wanted to be good with my money, and Toyota Corollas last forever, right? Uh, they do not, okay? So, uh, so buy, a, buy a BMW or something. I don't know, but I bought this old Corolla, and it didn't cost me much money, and I was going to keep up, and so uh, the engine light comes on. Uh, no, I, uh, yeah, the engine light comes on, uh, but I had to get it smog, so I took it to the smog place. I didn't care about the engine light, uh, but apparently a smog place does in California, wherever you're watching. I don't know what you do in your state. Uh, send me an email, though, because if they don't, we're moving. Uh, but you go, if, and if the engine light's on, they don't 
they don't smog your car. They say you got to fix the engine light. And so I had a friend who had this little device that connects to your car, and you could just reset the engine light, right? And uh, yes, I am a pastor. And so I take it to my friend, and he sets the engine light, and I go, um, so I take it back. And they said, has your engine, did, did you just get your engine light reset? And I'm like, huh? That's possible? Whoa. And they said, you have to drive it for 100 miles after you set your engine light. You're like, what does this have to do with the Bible? I'm getting there. And so, uh, so I drive it for, uh, I, I get to 98 miles. And I'm like, sweet. And I'm like, it's two miles to the, the smog place. I'm golden. 99 miles, engine light comes on. I'm like, yeah. So I take it to the shop. And uh, they said, you need a whole new engine. And I said, bro, I drove here. <laughs> like, you do realize, I didn't push the car here. I drove here. And he looked at me. I'll never forget this because it hurts my heart. And he said I was a gross polluter. And so I couldn't drive the car because I'm a gross polluter. So after I got over the trauma of being called a gross polluter, I realized I need to change my engine. This is exactly what Jesus is telling you. There's something wrong with your soul. And you say, I know, I know, I, 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 I know. It just doesn't match up. And I, if I could just add Jesus to it. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to cleanse you from your idols. Those things, those things that you found powerful, we'll get to Nicodemus in a second, but hey, Nick, guess what? This idea that being in power, being a Pharisee, and then you have these systems in place where the marginalized remain marginalized, now nah, that all has to go, man. We're not doing that. Because I want to give you a new heart, not just fix it, a new one. He goes on. He says, I will remove from you, your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So that's where Jesus is riffing off of uh, what, where he gets his idea. Well, he gets his ideas because he's God, but that's, Nicodemus would understand all that language. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old now, again, just understand how difficult this is for Nicodemus. He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. And I love Nicodemus, like, because he's seen all these signs, and he's, he's like, can he? Like, can, like I don't, my, my kids tell me I have this face when I'm talking about stuff that's uncomfortable. So, yeah, Lisa's laughing. Where, where I like, is that it, babe? Yeah, okay, so that's it. So, so. I could just picture Nicodemus going like, hey, I don't, uh, we, huh? like that, right? So anyway, I didn't realize how uncomfortable the sermon would be. But anyway, it's in the Bible, so what are you going to do? But that's, that's his tension. That's his tension. Like, what are you talking about? And this is the tension we all have when the kingdom of God enters into our life. It, 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 sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we go, Man, I like my systems the way they are. Can I just add Jesus? And Jesus says, no. 
You're a gross polluter. <laughs> we need to replace the whole thing. So Nicodemus comes to that, and Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so just understand this language. So scholars argue over what does he mean by born by water? Is that by the flesh? Is that by, you know, what does that mean? You know, uh, we use terms for that and all this stuff. And so it doesn't matter what he means. What he's getting to is this. You've got to get to a place. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, where you give it all up, your systems, your idols, your whatever it is, your sin, you got to give it up. And understand that what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God, we tend to think of heaven, right? That is included. We don't want to go to hell. No one was designed to go to hell. You're designed to spend eternity with your heavenly father, your creator, Jesus is talking about that, but he's also talking about your next step on this planet. This is why Nicodemus is going, I'm here, and it's not working for me, Jesus. And I understand that you're, this, what you have is different. And so Jesus is calling him to this. You cannot experience the kingdom of God until you've taken your sin and said, I don't want these idols. I don't want these things. And you give your life over to Jesus. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit. Don't be amazed when I said to you, you must be born again. And for some of you, maybe you're new to the Bible, new to Christianity. Maybe you're listening to me because you're like, I'm just going to begin to explore what it means. Well, don't be amazed if part of what you're going through is hard to understand. Because God is hard to understand. But I'll bet I know something about you that I know about you and I know about me. At one point in our lives, we got to a place where our systems weren't working. Our life wasn't working. We realized we weren't doing the best we could. And we knew we were broken and sinful. And we needed a sacrifice for that. He says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. You can kind of sense the spirit of God in your life. If you haven't yet taking that step to give your life over to Jesus. You, 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 you kind of feel it. You understand it. And you know that there must be more. You sense the fact that you have a soul. Lions aren't wrestling over this. They don't, they don't, a lion doesn't sit on the prairie and he's just like sitting there and he's like, Chuck, what? And all we do is like eat and walk around kill animals and mate. Don't you think there should be something more? Nah, man, I don't. Okay, like lions don't do that. Humans do that because humans have a soul. You have a soul. He says, you've kind of seen it. You can sense it. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus says this, how can these things be? Like, how, how does this work? So I don't know if you remember, and this, I'm taking a huge risk, so this is only the second week we've been meeting. So I'm usually talking just to a camera. Um, so I don't know if it's going to work or not. But do you guys remember this? The dress. Remember the dress? It was five years ago. So you just type in hashtag the dress and you'll find uh, every picture of this. So I'm just going to take a poll. All right. How many think this dress is gold and white? Raise your hand. How many think it's blue and black? 
Okay. Yep. About half and half. Yep. Isn't that amazing? I know what color it is. <laughs> right? But you're looking at the same dress. Now, some of you are like, well, it just looks like a washed out thing. Other people are like, why do you have some lady's butt on the, you're doing a sermon. Like, what are you doing? You have issues. But what color is the dress? We're looking at the same dress. And half of you say it's gold and white. And half of you say it's blue and black. How can these things be, Nicodemus is saying? We're looking at the same thing. So I'll tell you exactly what color it is in just a little bit. You know, this dress, this picture, had 10 million tweets about it. It was, um, it, the picture, what had happened, the story of the dress is this couple was getting married in Wales, and um, uh, Scotland, Wales, not like in wa actual Wales, that would be terrible. Uh, but they were getting married, and the wife goes to the store, the mom goes to the store, and it's like, I really like this dress. And she takes a picture of it, and she sends it to her daughter and said, this is what I'm thinking about wearing to the wedding. And she's like, it doesn't match any of the colors. And she says it, it exactly matches the colors. And so the, the uh, bride sends it to her party, and half of them are like, yeah, it's perfect. And half of them are like, no, it doesn't match at all. And it was gold and white and blue and black. And so, so they post it on their social media, and it begins to be this thing. And like literally half the world, like Taylor Swift tweeted about it. She ended with, uh, it was blue and black, and she, she was like frightened because like people could see things so different. Now, I don't know how often Taylor Swift is frightened, but Justin Bieber was also frightened. I can understand that. But, um, and so they're all tweeting. They're all trying to figure it out. Uh, the Washington Post like, writes this article like, called A Planet Divided. Right? Okay. So uh, all these different things. It, it, was cra it, was, it was crazy. Well, how are you going to know what the color is? How, how are you going to know? If, if you say it's blue and uh, black and I say it's gold and white, which... Obviously, it's gold and white. Like, it's right there. Like, Nicodemus goes to Jesus, and he's like, what? And Jesus is like, and, she, and Nicodemus is like, it's, it's blue and black. I, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'll tell you what color it is in just a second. Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't get this? Bro, come on. Work, come on. Think, think, think. Jesus doesn't say this, but I'll bet what he was trying to get to Nicodemus was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> That's the kingdom, right? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of that which we know and testify of that which we have seen, and you don't accept our testimony. Like, 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 you just want to see stuff happen. You see the signs. But these things point to me. And you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how am I going to tell you if you believe heavenly things? And then Jesus says this, which is one of the reasons why we talk about Jesus being God. He says, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. I don't know how Jesus pulled that off or said that, 
But if it were me being Jesus, I would have said, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the son of man, <laughs> right? Like I would have been like, Nick, it's me, bro. That's it. You got it. He probably didn't do that. But here's what he does do. He goes back to something Nicholas, Nicodemus did know, a story about Moses. And this story about Moses is a precursor to the story about Jesus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man, uh, uh, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. In other words, Nicholas, Nick, Nicodemus, you're broken, man. You've been bitten by the snake. So here's the story of what happened. They were wandering around in the desert, and then God puts all these snakes out, right? Duh. Okay. I don't like snakes, okay? I love the planet, and I love his creation, but I'm pretty sure in Genesis, uh, Satan was a snake. So I have the Bible on my side. And so there's all these snakes, and they, they, they bite somebody, and they begin to die. And, and uh, what had happened was um, God tells Moses, make this, put this thing in and put, put a snake up on it, this bronze snake, and anyone who just looks at it will be, will be healed. Like it's the easiest thing in the world, right? But people wouldn't look at it. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't like you're, you're dying. Like why don't you just look at it? But they had the same thing as the dress, all they could focus on was themselves and their pain and their sickness and all this stuff instead of focusing on the relief from that. In the same way, I meet people all the time who are so focused on their brokenness, their sin, their, that they miss the freedom that comes from just looking on Jesus and going, God, I can't do this on myself. I can't do this on my own. I'm, I'm, I need you. And so that's what he says. He says, the Son of Man would be lifted up. And, you know, Nicodemus didn't know Jesus was going to be crucified for our sins, right? He didn't know that, but he knew it later, and we'll see it in a little bit. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And then what comes next is one of the most famous verses in the world, probably the greatest verse. You've probably seen people on the street corner with it or whatever. And here's the problem with the Greek. When you read in the Greek, they don't have any punctuation like we do. And so when you read, you, you, don't, you have to just assume the author is doing their best to let you know what's happening. And so scholars disagree on who said this next verse. Was it Jesus? Did Jesus say this next verse we're going to see? Or did John comment knowing now what had happened to Jesus, that he had died for everybody's sins, because this was written after that, uh, did, did he say, hey, everybody, so this is what Jesus was talking about? Or was it Jesus who said these words? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, and here we go again, but have eternal life. Who said that? Did Jesus say it? Or did John say it? You know who? I know who said it. 
God said it. God said this. That he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Do you know why? Because he wants to spend eternity with us and not have us spend eternity separated from him. That is the gospel. That's the good news. We can call it heaven and hell, no problem. But it's separation from God, which is hell. And that's not what he wants for you or for me. He wishes that none perish, that all come to salvation. And this is what he's trying the best he can to get across to Nicodemus and have John write this down, that we understand this, that this is the gospel, that we have a soul that is broken. And it doesn't just need to be fixed, it needs to be replaced. And Jesus does that. So, the dress is blue and black. So, for those of you who saw gold and white like I did, you're wrong. I'm wrong too. I can't see anything other than uh, gold and white. I'm sorry, I just can't. But do you know how I know it's blue and black? The manufacturer told me. Well, I read it, but the manufacturer said, it's blue and black. That's what it is. But our brains and the way, we, I don't even want to get into like color stuff with how your brain works. It's incredible, by the way. Um, but it's just like how your brain interprets. But the manufacturer said, because they know it's blue and black. And your manufacturer, your manufacturer, your heavenly father, the one who created you wants to spend eternity with you. So however you see yourself, however you see your systems that you've put in place, however you see kind of how life is going and what you believe. And I understand for a lot of us, it's just so difficult to think, you know, I'm going along and I see what's going on. And like the, it seems so simplistic to think that Jesus came down, like he became, a, God became man and all this kind of stuff. But isn't there something in you that goes, man, I know there's something. I've seen too much in my life to know I need something that's beyond myself. That thing you need, I believe, is Jesus. And so as the worship team comes back up, um, I want to show you what happened to Nick. He, he defended Jesus, actually, one time. The, the Pharisees were getting together, and uh, Nicodemus comes back up uh, later, and they're saying, like, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. And Nicodemus asks the people in power. It's really hard to, to question people in power. And Nicodemus does it. And he says, you know, what, what, if, what if this guy is from God? And they said, what, do you want to follow him too? And I believe Nicodemus in his heart said, yeah, I really do. I really do. Because here's what happens when Jesus died. So this guy named Joseph had a, had a tomb and um, he donated his tomb so that Jesus could be buried in it because it was, it was disgraceful not to be buried in a tomb. They would take criminals and uh, they'd throw them into this pit called Gehenna uh, where um, they were just exposed. And that was like super disgraceful. And so Joseph wanted to make sure he had a tomb. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, which we read 
uh, 16 chapters ago, uh, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pounds weight. I don't know if you've ever lifted a hundred pounds. I was going to bring a 45 pound plate up here from the gym, um, but they caught me leaving with it. But uh, I was, but it's two, it's two of those, like a hundred pounds. Because Nicodemus, I believe, kept mulling it over. Hey, oh, he said, oh, he talked about the, the snake being lifted up. He was lifted up. And there began to be, I believe, this connection. And he's like, okay, I realize it's going to have to sacrifice me something. And so here, here's, here's what I want to do. We do this every now and again. We get an opportunity to make a decision to follow. To make a decision to go, okay, I realize I'm broken. I realize I'm sinful. I realize that I need a whole new engine. This is why Jesus died for our sins. So that we could come to him and go, I don't have to do this alone. I'm joined by a family. I'm joined by um, a, a bunch of people who have made the same decision. They've said, hey, I, I, I need something. And it's very simple. But I want to be really clear. The prayer that we're going to be praying is not magic. If we were all here and I asked for people to raise their hands and we could count you and go, guess what? Twelve people came to Jesus and we could all celebrate that. And that would be great. This is what you're being called to do. Yes, we confess our sins to God and he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he's asking for one more step. He's asking to give up those things, give up those idols, to not only be washed on the outside, but be, have your whole heart replaced. So if you want that, I just ask you to pray with me. You just repeat the words I'm saying, but it's not the words. It's the follow. We just say this, Lord Jesus. Oh, and uh, one other thing. Jesus knows that I started the prayer already. He's waiting. Maybe you've already prayed this prayer a whole bunch of times. I have prayed the prayer I'm about to pray a hundred times. People ask me, when did you come to Christ? I'm like, I don't know. I'm still coming. <laughs> I don't know which one took, okay? But, but I... I'm committing my life to following Jesus. And so maybe you've prayed this prayer a whole bunch of times and you just want to pray it with me like I'm praying it. When I pray this prayer and I lead us in this prayer when I do that, I'm not just leading us in a prayer. I'm praying the prayer. I just want to be clear about that. So I'm going to pray this prayer with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for creating a way. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting to spend eternity with me. I want that too. And so I give you my life. I give you all that I have. The best I can, I set down my idols. I turn away from my sin. And I follow 
you as Lord of my life. In your name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's your third time, but for you, it's like, this is it, man. We want to know. We want to help you grow. We want to be a part of your journey that's going to last the rest of your life. And so uh, if you did, um, just email me, john at livingspring.com. You can still email Michelle. She's just as good as I am. But just email me, john at livingspring. And we'll make sure that you uh, don't walk this walk alone. We're going to end with a song. And, um, you know, again, for those of you who might have prayed that prayer, we celebrate with you. We celebrate with you. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the kingdom. Amen. If you can, uh, go ahead and stand for the blessing. If you can't, you're going to be here for a while. Hey, um, in all seriousness, for some of you uh, who made a decision today, uh, you're beginning a journey, and it's really, really important that you don't walk that journey alone. And so uh, when I talked about sending me an email, john at livingspring.com, uh, it's a next step, and it's important. And we'll get you hooked up uh, so that you can be a follower of Jesus. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, in his joy, and in his hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.